Hello, this is Josh Banner, and you're listening to The Invitation. In this long-form audio retreat, Sharon Garlow-Brown leads us through a meditation reflecting on the spiritual disciplines Jesus practiced. The Invitation's mission is a practice of spiritual direction invigorated by the movements of the Holy Spirit in a prison. So what does Sharon, the author of the Sensible Shoes series of books, have in common with my incarcerated friends in Muskegon, Michigan? In this meditation, she helps us share in the life of Jesus, who always chose the way of less the way of suffering and surrender. Emptiness, losing everything, going without. These are pains the prisoners are very familiar with. Many of us mistake the gospel of Jesus as a platform for power, influence, and status when everything about Jesus' life and teachings points us to freedom through the gospel because it's an invitation to become poor, weak, and powerless. In this retreat, Sharon gently invites us to join the Fellowship of Suffering. For those of you who have read any of Sharon's books, you will remember the character of Meg, the widow and recent empty nester who is haunted by her past. And you'll also remember Catherine, a spiritual director who is leading Meg on an extended retreat. In the first book, Sensible Shoes, Meg says this to Catherine. My pastor often talks about coming to the end of ourselves and having nowhere else to look but up. Exactly, Catherine clasped her hands together. When Jesus spoke about the poor in spirit, he was talking about people who were totally helpless and entirely dependent upon God to supply all their needs. That kind of weakness is a place of blessing, Meg. It's a gift to be able to say, I can't, but God can. At the end of this retreat, I'll offer you some more from this scene in the book that describes a breathing prayer that Catherine recommends to Meg. Perhaps it may be a helpful way for you to embrace your own weakness. And I trust that as you pray with Sharon, you will affirm in your own life the words of John the Baptist, that Jesus might increase and I must decrease. Amen. We're going to work prayerfully today with a text from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 to 38. And before I read the scripture, I want to just set the context for the scene. This takes place early in the morning after a very full day of ministry for Jesus. He's been teaching, he's been healing, 
He's been casting out demons. The crowds have been pressing in on him to hear the word of God and to receive from him his touch of healing. Listen to the text. And as you listen, I want to invite you to imagine that you're there. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? And let's pray. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. Listen to the text one more time. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. So here we have Jesus rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. And he departs and he goes out to a desolate place. The Greek word there for desolate place is the word for the wilderness. The wilderness is that place of chaos, of danger. It's where the wild beasts, Mark tells us, prowl. The wilderness is also a training ground for trust. And this is where Jesus goes. I want to invite you to think about the desolate places in your own life where you have had an opportunity to meet with God. The wilderness places where all the familiar props that hold your life together are stripped away. The places that become furnaces of transformation that are pregnant with possibility. The places where we can be confronted 
by the Spirit and see the things that possess us and compete for our loyalty and our attention. In the quiet, ask God to bring to mind the wilderness places in your own life. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. It's significant, I think, that we find Jesus in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. And this won't be the last time that he retreats to the wilderness in order to pray. I want to spend a little bit of time looking at some of the holy habits that Jesus practices here, the ways that he invites us to follow his example. Jesus, in the wilderness, practices silence. He practices solitude. He practices retreat. He practices prayer, that deep connecting and communion with God. I'd like to think about, for a moment, your own experience in practicing some of these disciplines. Silence and solitude are both disciplines of fasting. In silence, we fast from using our words to control or manipulate others or outcomes. We detach from our words in order to deeply attend to God. Silence is more than just not speaking. It's a deep listening to God and to our own souls. So it's not only a fast from speech, but an engagement with God. Solitude is also a fasting discipline. It's not simply a way to be alone, but a way to be fully present to God. Solitude isn't merely about creating a private therapeutic space, a space for recharging batteries, or a quiet time for relaxing or being comforted. But solitude creates a place for conversion a place where the old self can die and the new self is born again and again. Henry Nouwen writes, In solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no books to read, just me, Naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, 
deprived, broken, nothing. It is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude, a nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work, and my distractions, so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I am worth something. And so the task in silence and in solitude is to persevere in faith and hope, to be still and to listen. And we can practice fashioning our own desert places where we can withdraw regularly and get rid of all of our compulsions and simply be with God. In silence and solitude, we can let go of the things that keep us busy and distracted so that we can enter into a vulnerable place where God can both comfort and confront us. In the quiet, think about your own resistance to or receptivity to silence and solitude. What are some of the things that hinder you from practicing these disciplines? What are your fears? What are your longings? And speak with God about what you notice. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. What we see modeled so beautifully in the life of Jesus is the fruit of practicing these disciplines of silence, solitude, retreat, and prayer. What we see in the life of Jesus in this short text is that Jesus is free from expectation. He's free from people-pleasing. He's free to obey God, to listen for direction, and to discern what God wants him to do. Listen one more time to the hook and temptation 
in the words that Simon and the others speak to him when they find him. Everyone is looking for you. It's as if Simon and the others are saying, Jesus, you're trending on Twitter. Your message has gone viral. And they're excited because they've attached themselves to a rock star. And the hook of everyone is looking for you is a hook that appeals to our egos. Everyone's looking for you. You've made an impression. You're significant. You're relevant. We need you. I wonder how you feel when you hear words like, everyone is looking for you. Do these words come as a temptation to you? Is there any hook to your false self that craves being useful and productive and significant? In the quiet, speak with God about what you notice. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. We've seen Jesus in the midst of of ministry that is full, in the midst of demands upon his time and his attention. Practice the discipline of retreating to the desolate place for silence, for solitude, for prayer. And because he has practiced these disciplines, he is free to discern the hook of temptation and the will of God. In this final pause, I invite you to have an honest conversation with God about what you've noticed, what the Spirit has stirred in you as you've listened to this text. Have an honest conversation with God about your longings, about your fear, about your resistance about any temptation to define yourself by usefulness or busyness. Offer your heart to God. 
And as we close today, I wonder what next step the Lord is inviting you to take. Maybe meeting with a spiritual director. Maybe scheduling a time of silence and solitude. Maybe asking for the courage to confess a temptation to a trustworthy friend. And as you move forward with Jesus, may you know the intimacy of his presence, the height, the length, the depth and breadth of his love for you. And may he encourage you in your deepening life with him. Amen. The holy irony is that by decreasing, by becoming less, we become our true selves in and through the life of Jesus. This is our risk, our holy wager, that by dying to ourselves, we can discover resurrection life in concrete, specific life practice. Resurrection, then, is not just a beautiful abstract idea. Jesus' resurrection is literally moving, breathing, and speaking through you. As Sharon invites us to discern the next step the Spirit is inviting us to take, I offer you the rest of that scene with Meg and Catherine that I shared at the opening of this episode. Catherine had said, That kind of weakness is a place of blessing, Meg. It's a gift to be able to say, I can't, but God can. Catherine peered intently into Meg's face. Actually, that's one of my favorite prayers. I'll inhale saying the words, I can't, and exhale saying the words, You can, Lord, over and over again throughout the day. Those simple words help keep me going in hope and in faith when the way gets hard. And sometimes it gets very hard, doesn't it? Meg sat in silence, listening to the rhythm of her own breathing. Could prayer really be that constant, that simple? Her fears were like breath to her, frequent, regular, and so habitual she hardly noticed. Could prayer become like that? Could her awareness of God's presence and power actually become life? and breath to her.
Perhaps a breath prayer might be helpful for you too, breathing out, I can't, and then breathing in, I can. Sharon's books are full of these kinds of practical insights to spiritual discipline. I encourage you to visit her website, sensibleshoesclub.com, to learn more about the help that she offers us. I am thrilled that you have spent time in prayer with Sharon in this Invitation Podcast audio retreat. If this has been a fruitful experience for you, you can find other long-form retreats led by me and also Nathan Foster of Renovare at invitationpodcast.org. And if you need an approachable step to this long-form The Invitation website also offers you a short five-minute format as well. The Invitation continues to form as a nonprofit since our successful fundraising campaign last fall. We found an accountant and an electrician as we labor to develop resources and organizational structures that will sustain a practice of spiritual direction in and out of a prison for many years to come. The vision of the invitation is to serve the church. And to that end, last week on our third annual Church Leaders Contemplative Prayer Retreat, we had a rich, full experience of God's presence as we practiced silence and group spiritual conversations at Camp Geneva, north of Holland, Michigan here. If your church or small group is in need of resources to help your people create time and space for God, please let them know about the invitation. And of course, feel free to reach out through email to me as well. You can find me at josh at invitationpodcast.org. And as you prepare for Lent, discerning what practices you might engage, you might consider approaching the invitation's prayer guide, 40 Ways to Spend 5 Minutes with God, that can be found on the download page of our website, You or a group of people could commit to working through each suggested prayer exercise throughout Lent, one for each day. At the church I initially wrote the prayer guide for, we had different people write out a reflection in response to each prayer exercise. 
These reflections were then sent out to the whole church daily to inspire every member to be more intentional in Lent to rehearse the death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you have not yet subscribed to our email list, please find one of the buttons on invitationpodcast.org and you'll get regular reminders of when new episodes are out as well as other updates that describe what we're up to. Again, I am delighted that you are listening, that you are joining in this spiritual formation conversation here on the Invitation Podcast. It is sincerely an honor and a blessing to serve you. So until next time, in the words of Psalm 4, the Lord wants to set you apart just for himself. Amen. Amen.